0: Good morning, Blanchard Brothers. Two weeks ago, the IMF received a message for Dimitri from a scientist who was being forced to create a biological weapon for a major pharmaceutical company. With Ethan Hunt on vacation, Sean Ambrose was dispatched to intercept. However, he went rogue. We believe Ambrose is now in the possession of this virus, and we've sent Agent Hunt and his team to intercept. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to shadow Hunt's team, assess operational effectiveness and make sure Hunt retrieves a sample of the virus. As always, if any member of your team should become captured or killed, the Secretary will disavow any knowledge of your actions. Good luck. This message will self-destruct in five seconds.
1: Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Road to Rain. My name is Noah, and my name is Geth, and we're the Blanchard Brothers back with you once again as we continue our months long journey to Dead Reckoning Part 1 by revisiting all of the Mission Impossible franchise. It's February, and we're back. Yes. Unless you're a Patreon subscriber who already heard this episode want to be one of those people head over to patreon.com slash the arc of e plug 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 okay we're done with that yes you gave us our mission briefing at the top i appreciate it we're back hopefully everybody enjoyed episode one new mission new movie yes Uh, New movie new mission whichever way you want to go about it doesn't matter a little four-year gap and a lot has happened yes in between uh this is a, a pivotal moment for the Mission Impossible franchise. One of many pivotal moments that we're going to get to. It's the year 2000. Uh, I was I was young lad. I was I was 9 for most of this. Right. Uh, but we'll get to it in a bit. This is a movie I saw in the theater. This was my first Mission Impossible in the theater. Mhm. Uh, any any initial thoughts before we jump into anything i'm trying you're, to think we, I, i'm trying to think I where i vividly was. remember us seeing this as a family right but i'm trying to think did i know about the killer and hard-boiled before then i was going to get to that as well
0: or but... i'm trying to remember when it came into my frame of
1: reference that or like, is this the movie that makes you go back and watch those movies
0: i could have swore so if you're 10 i'm what 12 at the time 13 Somewhere That's your own business, right? Uh, yeah. all right Alright, so, 98, I'm 10 years old. This is 2000. So I'm 12, 13-ish, getting there. I'm 13 in, no, I'm 12. <laughs> I don't know where I'm at. Yeah, I'm 12 years old when this movie comes out. But I can't, I I remember seeing The Killer on either HBO or Stars or something. Just being, And watching The End and being like, what the hell is this? a shootout in a church. I've never seen that before. Mm-hmm. And just like the camera moving as the action's happening. And it's like, I was like, what the fuck? What? But you and I had already seen a John Woo movie before. This. I would assume so. Hard target. Yes.
1: Yeah. For sure. The best. We'll get, we'll get into all of yeah. that. So, what yeah, that's, you, But yeah. Any any thoughts on two from the top? From the top, like... I mean, I remember being stoked about it whenever it, it came out. It was a out. big deal. Yeah, it was is huge. basically what I was trying to yeah. get to. This, at, at the moment, this felt like a huge thing. Right. And for, again, us as, as young kids going to action movies, this is like, hell yeah, we've had two Bonds by this point I think this the Europe world is not enough as well Mm -hmm. right but I think that's a fall release this summer Mm -hmm. so we've gotten we've had two Brosnans so if we're if we're kind of paralleling where the Bond franchise is at and we're still in a pre just by a year we're still in a pre-born identity world right which is another movie franchise that comes to uh, play play a role in the Mission Impossible verse so what you're forgetting what am I forgetting which is what informs
0: me about this movie as far as I'm concerned when I'm watching it then and then watching it now is we are in a post-Matrix world.
1: 100%.
0: And so to me, I mean, literally, we're not even, what? We're almost a, we're Matrix is March, so, and we probably don't see it till later that year. Um, We're in a, we're in like a post-Matrix world as far as like, okay, what are you going to show me that I have not seen before. How are you going to take. The action genre. To a different level. And we also have seen. Mission Impossible before. We're not. We're, again we don't have the film brain we do now. But we know Mission Impossible is. Like it's Ethan Hunt. And he's he's you know. Stealing. He's a, he's a spy. But this. Ethan Hunt. Is vastly different from that Ethan Hunt.
1: Yes. I feel like you can feel Cruz and Wagner course correcting in the moment. Mm-hmm. Some of it is due to where movies are at that moment. Right. And a lot of it is due to where he is at that moment. Mm-hmm. I gotta check my math. And this is all off the top of the dome. This is like right in the thick of post divorce, correct? Uh believe so. In my mind, Eyes Wide Shut comes out in ninety nine. Kubrick dies right before it comes out, the movie comes out, all of the, you know, all we did a whole episode, if you want to go listen to the whole press cycle of that movie, the expectations versus the execution, its lasting legacy, etc. But, I yes, find out the date of their divorce, but I think this a is... A year later. They almost. get divorced in 2000? 2001. It becomes divorced. official. Yeah. So, so Oh, 2001. Okay. Mm-hmm. Presumably they're in the thick of it right now. They know... Or His people, his team, know that he's staring down the barrel of this in the public public eye, if you will. Mm-hmm. He's coming off of a pretty, pretty solid little run right here, uh, which is part of a grander run of uh, about a decade, which is my favorite cruise stretch uh, aside from this movie. Spoiler alert. But we didn't mention in our inaugural episode on The Road to Reckoning is that another little movie came out in 96. It was right. A big year for our boy. Really big. A little movie called Jerry Maguire. Yes. Comes out in the fall, I believe. Mission Impossible in the summer, Maguire in the fall, or the winter. And, of course, becomes a big Oscar player. Uh, doesn't really matter because Titanic comes in there and just sweeps everything it can. But mm-hmm. you get Cuba uh, getting his Oscar and... Uh, can't remember if Crow got original screenplay, maybe. Possibly. Maybe he gets it for almost famous a little bit later. I forget. Anyways, it's a big year. He's on the top top of the world. And what I love is the move right after this is like I'm I'm quote unquote at the height of my powers and kinda do whatever I want. What I wanna do is go continue to work with interesting directors, something that he had you know, had been a main focus mm-hmm. up yeah. until that point. He just worked with De Palma, Cameron Crowe at the time. Arguably, like pretty notable figure, because I don't even though he's coming off of like he's coming off as singles, so it's that's kind of a comeback movie for him in a lot
0: of ways. But I I don't Um, think we said this in the last one. Tom Cruise is a movie fan; like he watches everything he can get his hands on. So that definitely informs to me who he decides to
1: like. Well, you know, and that's the that's the gambit of this franchise, at least as it was originally pitched, as we move into sequel territory, which is I had very much an auteur at the helm, the first go around. Mm -hmm. What if we don't necessarily look at that as the template for all of these movies, but what if we looked at it as a... You know, we're going to have a different take, a different style every time dependent on the filmmaker. Right. And like you said, the Matrix is most definitely a factor and i feel like like i said you can feel him and paul wagner like course correcting in the moment okay we're not necessarily an action franchise capital a as established in the first film right but now we are competing in a marketplace that has now seen the matrix what like we don't want to come out here and embarrass ourselves basically um once people have seen that, is there, you know, what what is the next level of spectacle? How do we capture a little bit of that that people seem to be responding to and put it in our movie? Well, clearly the move he makes is, well, I need an action with a capital A director. Right. Well, who's come over to the American shores just a few years earlier and uh, had almost all of his <laughs> autourism just. Just sapped out of him by hard target. A movie where they're like, come over here, make one of our action movies. And they're like, hey, what did you do? <laughs> why? why? Why the doves? Why, why the slow mo? I don't understand it. What's going on? What and the hell just, is Wilford Brimley saying? They try and take it out of him immediately, but he very quickly is able to reclaim it. Two back to back, just like, I mean, one's way more of a classic than the other, but the one, two punch of Broken Arrow, and then in 97, Face Off, it's like if you could look to the one other thing at that time where it's like, okay, we're not all of a sudden going to become the Matrix. Like, Mission Impossible is not taking place in a computer program. We're right. not all of a sudden going to be, you know, dodging bullets and floating, you know, through the air in bullet time. Right. What's the other school of action? What's the other intervening movie that's kind of, like, rewritten the game as far as action spectacle? It's fucking face-off. Like, Mm -hmm. 100%. Like, I just rewatched it again for, like, the 20th time earlier this year. It's on Prime right now. And it's just that is one of those things where you can clearly look at it and you're like, there is a vision here. There is not just the kind of ramshackled eighties style of point shoot as you mentioned in the killer. What is this fluid fluidity right within the action? The like the camera movements where it's like, how are there three hundred squibs going off right now and it's all it's not just a static shot? And like how are camera. you how are you staging this, doing it in can yes, just incredible stuff. Reinventing the wheel in a lot of ways. And I think he could... Like, I don't know who else was in consideration. I don't know if you found anybody in your research, anybody else who was being kicked around. But he seems to very quickly zero in. And, again, we're going to bring it up. Second time it's been mentioned in this podcast. You got to wonder, is there a little bit of, like, a little Scientology secret handshake going on here? Because who just worked with him twice? Travolta. Right. You know, are they hanging out at meetings? And he's like, hey, Tell you, Tom, you know who you should get? You should get John. John Woo.
0: Yeah, I could see that. I could see where that would, you know, kind of make it so that there's, you know, a little inside thing. Or it could just be the fact that, you know, John Woo, John Woo was, was working the guy. with Paramount. Oh,
1: Paramount. okay. his like, Face Off a Paramount movie? I yeah, know, yeah. I distributed
0: that. by Paramount. Okay. So it could be a thing where it's like, look, you've got to, you, you, they signed him to a three-picture deal maybe? Because most people don't do 4 picture deals. What the hell is that?
1: It's usually three.
0: Three. And so he's on retainer. They've made him money. And it could be Cruz was like, yes, I want him at everything. Let's do this. Or it could be, you know, hey, he's been successful with us before. You want to redo. You want to come back to this. We still own the rights to it. Do this. Do that. Let's have a meeting of the minds. And it could be, could have been, very well been that Travolta was like, I'll get in on that meeting and like, Still, you know, he yeah. Tried. yeah, it could be, it um, makes sense. But at the same time, it's one of those where like, I can't tell you another big action director in this time frame that you could go
1: to and be like, that's the guy, you know what I mean? Michael Bay isn't Michael Bay right now. He's doing Pearl Harbor right now. He's hot Pearl, off Armageddon in the middle or about right. to release Pearl but Harbor. I, but I think to that point, the trans, the immediate transition from it it's bad boys straight into Armageddon. No, that's not right. The Rock, the Rock, excuse mm-hmm. me. I think that transition right at that time into Armageddon is maybe like, oh, he's doing, you know, maybe it's not the blockbuster thing. Yeah, maybe it's not the yeah. run and gun mm-hmm. action sort of thing. And again, Which I think it really looking, has done that's why I really would yeah. love it if like dead reckoning too
0: they just bring in michael bay and go balls to the wall
1: i mean they're Macquarie we know they're yeah. I yeah mean, we know this for a fact i know i just maybe we'll give me there. nine
0: give me nine and come back wait wait five years give me nine and ten and or just give me nine and like have it be a bay blockbuster just fucking crazy or like a a contained self-meditation on what it means to be an action star
1: after your prime one with of Michael the- Bay one of the failed alternative versions when Cruz was not going to return. I forget when this, I think this is like pre four possibly Mm -hmm. something that they were kicking around, uh, was Brad Pitt as the head of the IMF, just a character you haven't met yet. And it's a young team and you just start building it out that way. Mm -hmm. Um, speaking of which, um, I know (laughs) one of the stars has some issues surrounding him still at the moment, but we are all geared up for bad boys four, right? right? Like, remember the way they left that movie? Yeah. I think we're, we're once again entering another like 10 year gap period. Cause those guys went off and made the Batgirl movie mm-hmm. that got like just shit canned and we'll never ever see it. Right. The whole HBO thing mm-hmm. um, or Warner brothers thing rather. But yeah, I think we're sad to say, or we're definitely in a period now where it's like, no, nah, it'll be another 10 years before bad boy. And like, I don't even know if Martin Lawrence will be like, down New for movie. it at yeah. that point i i honestly I was, I was like they were they were right there it was the highest grossing movie pre-pandemic yeah. and then i i don't think that's ever gonna happen now mm. uh anyways okay Pl- any any other pre pre-thoughts you want to give us the plot do you want to attempt to explain the plot of
0: mi2 it's very i don't understand people getting confused about the plot. plot time is very simple okay there's okay. a there's a scientist who's created a virus. And What's the name of this virus? Chimera. 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 And Chimera has a 50 hour lifetime, life like infancy. So like it has to be in your body 50 hours, then you can start to infect everybody. Two
1: hundred dollars. Yeah. Okay. You know they're in eyes wide shut together. You know this is him being like, "Come on, buddy." Yeah. So I didn't. I didn't, Of course, I didn't catch that. So. Yeah. It is the same guy, right? It is it's that yeah. guy. So
0: this this guy, this scientist, you know, being you know, has been forced to make this by a big pharmaceutical company. And he enlists the help of his old friend, Dimitri, that he knows. Which, if you're paying attention as a fan, the name he gives of Dimitri is the name that the guy in the very first Mission Impossible gives up As like the context, the name they're trying to get from the guy they're interrogating as Claire is dead on the table and and Ethan is walking around in the face mask. Um, He gives up the name Dimitri. So it's assumed, just a little backstory, that Ethan Hunt basically just assumed the role of this Dimitri guy. And so when he meets certain people, he just introduces himself as this Dimitri character, which goes, we'll come back later in the, in the later episodes, entries in the series. So he asked him, like, I need your help. So, And lo and behold, Dimitri helps him out, double-crosses him, takes the virus samples, and we're shown that it really wasn't Dimitri Tom Cruise that we know it's going to be our big bad. We find that Ethan is... The biggest of bads. Biggest of bads. Personal friend of the show, Grace Scott. Dugray. Duke Dukes. Um, <laughs> the so, Dukes. <laughs> the Dukes. So we find that Ethan is... Been on vacation. We know he went on one last mission, but he's on ba- he was on vacation for whatever reason. Now, he gets tracked down and basically laid out that look. Virus might be in play here. The only play you've got is to go get old, go get Dukes his old girlfriend, reintroduce her back to him, with the guys that if she does this for us, we'll, we'll clear a record. And then you got to go in there once she confirms everything. You got to get a sample of the virus, eliminate him. And get out. Because he was one of us. He was an IMF agent. But he's gone rogue. You know. We know you might have. We know you didn't really go rogue. We understand. You were framed. But this guy went rogue, dude. You had to track down this rogue agent. It's like the only time in history this happens. You know. It's the only time in the franchise where (laughs) you're going to take a mission. And you're going to do the mission. And you're not going to be the bad guy at the mission. You're just doing the mission. So just do it for us. You know. This is luckily. This isn't mission difficult. This is mission impossible. You know, <laughs> so so that's what happens, and you know, calamity ensues as we as calamity, is, you know, um, as is in this franchise. Everything could be going right, but there's so many different like plot points that you're like, what? It's really simple. There's a guy that steals a virus. The team has to go get this virus. I got to spend a little time getting Tandy Newton to like do the thing, and uh, after that, they're in. And it just goes from there. Couple of big action set pieces. Um a lot of John Woo
1: fighting aesthetics that we well, see. One thing I'll mention from the top, I think that's one of my biggest complaints about this movie and rewatching it is it doesn't real like John Woo doesn't really get to cook until like the last right. forty minutes, roughly. Mm-hmm. Um Well, the original cut was over three hours, so he probably was cooking the whole time. They just took it away from him.
0: I would like to see a different cut of this movie. You'll never will. There has never been. No, seriously. There are at the very early release on LaserDisc. There were several ones that released with the original three-hour cut. They're all, for all intents and purposes, disappeared and gone.
1: Rarely will you find one. If a you can three find one, three-hour cut of MI two. Yeah, sounds interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Sounds like maybe something that would be a little more comprehensible. Probably three and a half hours. Sounds like uh maybe like an opus from robert town which again i mentioned on our previous episode i was very i was surprised that he has solo writing credit on this and it felt like it felt like a bunch of different people throwing ideas at the wall um i'll just give my overall opinion of this one from the top before we start getting into the categories i, I mean this is inarguably the like the bottom of the barrel right is yeah. this is is this yeah. also is this the only I mean this is the only bad one, essentially the yeah. only one that I think is not a good
0: movie.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think we <laughs> needed this. It is also the highest-grossing movie of two thousand. Oh, I bet it was half a bill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. five hundred. Again, yeah. this is also this is a move to it has a more international feel. Yeah, it's a little more globe It's a little more slick. And, I mean, dude, the promotion they were doing for this movie. I mean, again, he's coming off of Eyes Wide Shut and Magnolia. These two very, like, esoteric, I'm I'm doing my actor thing. I'm still interested in, like, working with auteurs. I'm still maybe gunning for an Oscar. And it doesn't happen with either of those. Eyes Wide Shut is its own separate story. But then Magnolia, he gets as far as the nomination and a huge departure tonally From Mm -hmm. anything he'd done in his career, still, I think, one of his five best performances. And it doesn't quite get him all the way, you know, doesn't get him the home run. So, I think he is, this was probably always in the works, but I think there was always the thought of, okay, but now I gotta gotta make a movie to remind people, I'm Tom Cruise, movie star, again. Mm -hmm. So, he always, again, as he will many times in his career, he goes back to Mission Impossible. And... Again, the Ethan Hunt of this movie is not the Ethan Hunt we met in that Brian De Palma film. There is no, uh, there's no nervy energy. There's not a moment where he's unsure of himself. He is just king shit, cock of the walk, slick as hell. Uh, you mentioned, I think, in her previous episode or maybe off mic, you think this is the best looking of of the bunch. The way he looks. You like the way he's styled in this film. Oh yes. I'm not here for it. Okay. If we wanna go the longer hair, it's not even Ghost Pro. The perfect in between is Rogue Nation, dude. Yeah. It's just shaggy enough, but it's still got enough shape to it. Rogue Nation's the best hair. Oh yeah, okay. Rogue Nation is when he he's
0: breaking out of prison
1: in the beginning. That's Ghost Pro. So you're already doing it. You're already you're Already complaining, really? Yes, what's happening in the beginning of, of five is uh plane riding.
0: Oh, that's right. They're yeah. already, he's like, Can you open the door? That's right. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Well, then I would say Ghost Protocol, then because I love the hair in that.
1: I think he looks his worst in Ghost Pro, maybe of the whole franchise. It's because he takes his shirt off a couple times. Oh, well, we can get into all of yeah. that if you really want to. No, that's fine. Tom, sorry, I do want to listening. correct myself. I know you're a big fan, according to the I know research, you're a big fan of the network, yeah. <laughs>
0: In the early 2000s, there was a 163-minute working print. Um, That's insane, dude. Who let him do that? Sourced from a That's stolen so VHS crazy. copy. And it was much closer to Ru's original three-and-a-half-hour-long cut of the film. It had a lot of extended and deleted sequences, including the uncut action and violence, which was cut from the final PG-13 rating. Oh, it
1: fe- I mean, it feels hacked a bit, so However, for sure. Since then,
0: no copy of that working print has ever been found. So if somehow someone has a
1: VHS from 2000. So maybe what we're looking at right here is the immediate course correction of that decision. The idea of like, we're going to bring it like each time out, it's going to be a different auteur. They're going to bring their own vision no, to no, it. No, 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 That's not the case. It's Sorry. never been that. Go ahead. It's always been, let's
0: ask and someone declines. The only person they never asked to come back was john Wu? he asked the palma to come back De-, De palma declined i did not know that john woo got a call about meeting they directed john Wu was never called or talked to again now granted around 2008 i think he's making the red cliff saga but it says they never asked him i don't know if that's true but in research well, is basically he was the only one that was never asked to come back but i'm assuming
1: had he been able to he might want to i don't know i don't know what happens with wind talkers a movie that was not particularly well received at the time, but I think basically after that run, it was like I came over, had a bad experience with Hard Target, had a slightly better experience with Broken Arrow. The most crystallized vision of him as as a you know crossover mainstream um, mm-hmm. you know mainstream American moviegoer filmmaker. The reason he is still a name for some people is Face Off. Period. I think that's like when everything just coalesced perfectly for him. But then yeah, if you're telling me yeah he delivers. A three and a half hour cut, which is again baffling to me. It's like I can't believe they would let him do that initially. Like even submit a cut without without the stipulation in advance that like, hey, the movie needs to be two hours or, or this or that or whatever. But I could see him feeling like, all right, they, you know, they brought me over here. They wanted to wine and dine me. They wanted my vision. And every time I really cut loose, I always get reined in. When Talkers is a little bit more, I don't know if you remember, but at least from an action standpoint, is it like very else. much a John Woo movie. Right. But I don't know that that fit with what people wanted from period war movies At the time. You were we're coming off of Saving Private Ryan. We were soldiers, like very grounded, uh, gritty, and I mean, there's there is the spectacle of action and bloodshed in that movie where you're like. Well, this is World War Two, and like normally, you're supposed to feel kind of gross about this stuff, like the way it's presented, at least in recent movies. Then Red Line, etc. Like, but it's like all of a sudden, I'm like, this is really cool. Like, this is badass, and I, I don't know if people were like. That's not what they wanted at the time from no, their war movies. Course not. I don't think it played well. Now
0: we want like, uh, you know, actually it was all the like Nazi zombies and there was all this nefarious stuff really going on and all that kind of stuff.
1: So but yeah, I could see him feeling like, okay, I'm burned, wind talkers wasn't well received either. I'm i I'm going back. Like I'm I'm done trying to fit into the Hollywood system. I'm done. But I I again I would watch that three and a half hour cut because I don't know if it makes more sense uh story wise, but I definitely think it was probably more compelling. From an action standpoint because this feels this feels the most unevenly paced of the franchise like I said it feels very lopsided where it's like well, we that's... don't really have like a killer opening action set piece because it's this fake out it's not really Cruz I do love Cruz not playing Cruz mm-hmm. like him playing that he's not really Ethan because right. I think you can tell it and I think it's actually pretty pretty good you, you like,
0: keep calling me Dimitri yeah you really shouldn't
1: his whole demeanor and everything in there, I think it's like, it tips off from the get-go. You know something is off. Um, Do you like that he threw his uh, cousin a bone for this one? I mean, yeah. Of course. He He's always throw, he's throwing him bones left and right. Yeah. But again, that gentleman is... Uh, well, no, he hasn't done it yet. No, he Excuse has not. Me, but he's about to.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, no. See, like, my thing is, you... If you if you have a movie and a script based solely off of like these are the action sequences I want you fill in the rest, right? If the rest is not to me, that's where you need you need everybody to be on the same page. And yes. you know, I feel like you give town well you need a group. Like if you give town like Soul reign over the in between bits, and he's just kind of like they fight. Ethan infiltrates this right. and that, and then the action orientated director does that part If they're not in sync you're gonna have this clunk thing of whatever but I feel like that three-hour cut may have been more of what Wu was really wanting to do to try and give you some more like hey this is actually a big deal as opposed to like I mean I would argue this thing got parodied a fucking ton I mean I feel like a lot of people made fun of this I'm thinking like MTV movie awards stuff. Which I'm talking he was first, a part of. He was. Yes. But like for future movies are making like Austin Powers is making fun of it later and like all this other stuff. Well, and it's, it's funny because it's like, yeah, I mean, take a shot at the biggest grossing movie of 2000. That's great. But at the same time, it's like, I, this would have been a, a match made in heaven. A dream come true for me. Knowing what I know now, because again, I think I'd seen The Killer, but I hadn't seen Hardboard. I didn't know this extensive history of like, wow. And I feel like because I went back and learned more, I, I, I kind of came to know John Woo as that. I stayed away from this for so long because I had not seen this movie in at least 10 years. I just didn't. That coupled with what we get coming up in the next entry, I just kind of pushed this one to the back and been like, yeah, you are kind of bottom of the barrel. The first one's better than this one. Moving on in time, but like, if I'm going in it as a movie goer in 2000, having, come oh, I love this. It. I you thought were it was great. You're like, no, shit. I really,
1: I truly, you like, know? I thought it was great when yeah. I saw it as a kid. Um, to that point you're mentioning and the MTV of it all, this, I mean, I remember the buildup to it. Like, what was the MTV movie show where they would like, I mean, it's like a half hour. They would show you clips of, like, upcoming stuff. It only ran for a couple years, but it's, like, right in the thick of this era. I think I know what you're talking about. It's like this. It was. I can't it, remember if it had a special name or something, but it was like MTV at the movies or some shit like that. Yeah, you go behind the scenes. And with somebody like, you do a little. They would be going to like it, premieres, it, right. or they would be going to like, oh, we did these fan screenings and like here's early mm-hmm. reactions to the, that. But that was always it. No, they right. would have a movie every episode where it's like people are inside watching it right now. Yeah, we're gonna get their reaction at the end. Right. I can't remember what it was called, but I remember like I remember that this and when movie, they rented movies. They took stars and they took oh, them to the that video was a great store. that show, I love that show. I know, that I love that, great. too. Yeah, was that part of... That was part of that show.
0: Yeah, yeah. was yeah, a right. segment of that show. Yeah, right, yeah. It's that show. I cannot think of it. It's probably on Paramount now, but yeah, because I remember... That would be cool if we could go back remember and watch some from that era. They took Sean William Scott and they took... I always uh, who's the other? Buster Rhymes. And they took them to the video store. They must have been doing it for Halloween. Was it Halloween? No. It would have been for Save the Last Dance, because that was 2000 era. And they took them to... A video store. And for some reason, I just remember them both picking out up, Uptown Saturday Night as like I mean, one of their favorites. Sean Patrick
1: Thomas. Not Sean Sh- Sh- Scott. Who's not Sean William Scott? That's Stifler. Oh, yeah. Sean Patrick Thomas. And then who would the other guy have been? Sean Patrick Flannery from Boot Doc Saints. Yeah,
0: he was there. <laughs> so was Stifler. They were all in, say, The Last Dance, as far as I remember.
1: Um, <laughs> okay, The one I remember... Is Hugo Weaving for either the Lord of the Rings or one of the Matrix movies recommending Aguirre the Wrath of God, which was how I discovered Werner Herzog in the first place was through him literally holding up that VHS and being like, this was very influential on how Peter shot some of the action sequences. And I was like, what is that? And then I went to Blockbuster. And they, and they didn't have it. They, they didn't have a you <laughs> the Wrath of God. But they had some... Like, but a, I went to
0: Sycamore
1: and they had, had it. it. Oh, they had it. And I remember their VHS copy. <laughs> yeah, anyways... Uh, but yeah, I will always remember that because that's how I, I discovered Hooper that, and Herzog was, can... was because of Hugo Weaving, Weaving on MTV recommending movies out of videos. Dude, I've, yes. I've, it's got
0: to be out Paramount somewhere. I need to find it because I just want to see people's like what they picked back in the day just to see
1: them. Somebody has put that shit on YouTube. It's got to be. I'm, I'm sure. We need to look that it up. If My Ride right is anyways, there, that shit's m- there. This movie was marketed to death. Yeah. To that point, I don't remember a second round of action figures. This seems like it would have been the prime era for do another I. round of toys, but I don't think they did it. So we go see it. Like I said, I'm like, again, I'm that age where it's just they, like, it was a movie. It had people I knew in it. There was cool stuff that happened. I don't Good. know if it's <laughs> this one. It might have been the first one
0: or this one. I can't remember, but there was a promo thing around Hollywood that they would put, they put audio players inside of newspaper stands so when you opened it up it would play the theme but it definitely sounds like something that happened for
1: this one yes it's either 100%. that one or
0: i can't but it, like it wound up that like most of the time people would like find the devices and be like is this a fucking bomb and they would call it in <laughs> but paramount's like well it's we're great. not to, we're not taking them out like we're leaving them when we put them around like good yeah, yeah something like that i think it was but it could have been the first one i'm not mis- i'm not sure i have to go back and figure it out but yeah That was one of the, but yeah, it's all over MTV. That's another marketing stunt, all this kind of stuff. Hyped to
1: death. And once again, a movie that does not resonate with critics whatsoever, but is a huge hit with audiences. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, in going back and rewatching it, my biggest complaints, again, Wu doesn't get to cook until like really the third act. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is a running problem throughout many of his movies uh, and something we got to talk about at some point. And we kind of glossed over in the first one. Um, I think he and Thandie Newton, or Thandaway, as she uh, goes by now, have like sub zero chemistry. I don't think it works at all. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you. No, not at all. And, and so much of the movie hinges on, I mean, the whole like, then feel better scene where she's she's like basically saying, I want you to care about me and like be upset that you're putting me in this situation. And he's basically saying, like, I do. Like, I really do care about you. And you're just like, the movie spends so much time on that stuff and their dynamic and there's just nothing there. Like I don't feel anything. I'm not rooting for them. And then when she is kind of ultimately the big MacGuffin of the third act where it's like, Oh, she, she's got the virus now. She's the weapon. It just, I don't know. The stakes are not there for me in the same way that they are in say three, for Mm -hmm. instance, when you do manage to convince me that, he cares about this person has chemistry with them. I just think it's I don't know if it's a yeah, I don't know if it's a casting thing. I know she was not a huge fan of him and they apparently were not like Yeah. They didn't get along great on set and I think it was definitely well, like think about a it. Think she's think about, it. think about it. Your wife who you're about to get
0: divorced from recommends her to you from a movie they did forever ago. Okay, I, if your okay, wife gets, did not know that was. Your wife gets wind that like how are you supposed to be with her in person? You're going to try and be the charming guy that, like, why would my wife ever leave me? But if there's already rumblings, because this comes out 2000, May-ish, but, like, they let everybody know in February of 2001 they're getting separated. That mm-hmm. ain't something that happens, like, overnight. So there's they're towards the end, if you want to argue. Their marriage is probably towards I mean, I don't know if it was Eyes Wide Shut, the dinner, or whatever, but it's kind of on the back nine, if you want to say so. But then you pick an actress for your next big movie – at your wife's... You know, she said, hey, why don't you think about her? Because I worked with her. And, you know, you could see where, like, maybe, like, if her and Kim... or sorry, her and Nicole Kim and her friends, like, is there... How are you going to play? It just, you know... I'm not saying she's wrong completely because I do appreciate her just for, like, who she is and other stuff I've seen her in. She's great. This is another, you know, this is the first time that her and Anthony Hopkins in her movie together. And, of course, she got... She's Absolutely. in an
1: Interview with the Vampire.
0: That too, yeah. Which I did
1: not realize.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. So you, you know.
1: But yeah, she hasn't really like popped, popped. I mean, this was her her yeah. thing. And then mm-hmm. I feel like it doesn't really happen for her. until I guess she gets some decent notices for Crash, even though the movie hasn't aged particularly well. And then, I, but yeah, I don't feel like she... I mean, she's
0: definitely like I come feel up since then.
1: I, I feel like it really. I'm looking back through stuff, and I'm like, it really wasn't until Westworld, right? When people were all of a sudden like, oh yeah, she was she was great. And then, the most recent thing, of course, that I know about her is she was supposed to be the Selma Hayek role in Magic Mike: The Last Dance, and I don't know what went down on that set, but she was fired, replaced, and like talking shit about it. In the moment that it had, it was a huge, huge thing for like a day or two. Hmm. But yeah. Um, wow. Some kind of disagreement with her and Channing Tatum that escalated to the point where it was like, all right, she's off this movie and and now it's Selma Hayek. And that movie comes out in like a month. But and I cannot wait. I'm very excited. Me well. too. It's a little I love Valentine's that Day treat. It's a great franchise. Yeah. We might have, th- to, we have to do a little mini... Uh,
0: I just want the, the boys got to be in it at some point. I need a reference. I need to know what Big Dick Richie's doing. I got to know what Tarzan's up to. I just need to make sure they're okay. I'm sure they'll stick them in there. Okay, good. Let's see. Yeah. It, what's crazy, though, is that this is John
1: Woo's biggest grossing film, and it is his first PG-13 movie. That's the craziest part about it. Well, again, to that point, you can tell within those action sequences that are still very compelling. Mm-hmm. You can just tell it's like, well, in all in most other John Woo movies I would see squibs going off on those bodies. Like mm-hmm. there's a lot of the you know it's a hallmark of his style, especially when you watch like face off where it's like, Yes, <laughs> these you know, highly trained terrorists and like government agents and everything will unload full clips at each other and not hit anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like because it's ballet. It's not like A gun in a John Woo universe is not necessarily a deadly weapon. It's (laughs) more, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) It's more of like, we're dueling right now, but instead of swords, we're using pistols. It's like, that's very, I rewatched Face Off and I'm like, there's so many scenes where literally Travolta is like point blank range, like firing directly at Nick Cage and like nothing happens. Like, it's like, oh, well he twisted or like he did this or whatever. Oh my God. Sorry.
0: Did you no hang on? Did you listen to How Did This Get Made Hard Target? Of course. So the when they tell you that like Lance Hendrickson did not mean to get on fire, but he did light his jacket, and all the other actors are like, oh my god, and that's why he's like, What are you doing? Get out of here. <laughs> that's real because like he's still in character. Yes. Like, imagine that. Like you get that level of commitment from him, your first American movie, all the way to now, and you've got like an editor. And other big wigs that are like, well, we want this and we want that. And it's like, you just wish at some point, if you hired a guy to make something for you, you hired him for a reason. And just let them do their thing. You know what I mean? Like, I get it. And that's one of the things I I think you will see in any movie. But more so things now where it's like, I trust you. I hired you for a reason. Just go do it. I'll take whatever you give me just go do it. And I wish more people had that aesthetic of like I'm not I got to put my hand in. I got to put my hand in. And you would think and maybe this is what happens further down the road. Tom Cruise is the star. Tom Cruise is the producer. It's Tom Cruise's movie. Maybe he doesn't have that cachet at this time because you talked about it. What happens from now to the next movie? Huge run.
1: Are we? I we, we can say that you know. I I mean, I think arguably one of the best decade long runs of any like exactly. major actor, right? In my personal opinion, now within that again are movies that at the time are not necessarily like big home runs for him, but still, like, like I, the solid. two I would. But I'm saying the two I would bring out of that are Eyes Wide Shut and Vanilla Sky. The two movies that when people used to naysay Tom Cruise, most often I would be like, "But have you seen those? Like, right. have you seen Magnolia?" and but even Vanilla Sky, again, something that was seen as like a a bit of a failure with mass audiences, still made like $100 million. The mm-hmm. idea that that movie made that, we were still – and then, of course, we get to Minority Report kind of like being a little different than what people were maybe expecting from the two. Like way darker than what people were expecting, and that movie does well but not – as well as people thought it was mm-hmm. going to do, but then War of the Worlds, which is still maybe darker than people thought it was going to be, is this huge success? But that, of course, is the press tour where everything goes wild. We'll talk way more about that and three when we but get. But like to that's what I'm saying. So like by the time you get
0: to three, by the time you get to the rest of them, you if you have a problem with anything, anybody at Paramount, anybody who's making a decision, you got when you go talk to Tom Cruise. As a producer, you're also talking to the star of your movie. Mm -hmm. The reason why you're here, because in 1995, he thought, wow, I liked this show when I was a kid. And I think we could probably do something here. And he's parlayed that into third, fourth, fifth, sixth, now seventh and eighth movie. How much are you going to reel in anything? I very much could see where this was a, hey man. You haven't really made this big of an action movie before. It's 125 million dollars. You might be a little over your depth. So why don't we? Why don't you let us maybe take a little, take a, you know, take some of the reins, take some burden off of you, Tom. You can go do your stunts. We know you love that. We know that's going to be what these basically are—a vehicle for you to do things you'd never be able to do in real life on a movie set. And. You know, God bless the guy who's going to insure you for it. But go do that, and we'll handle this movie. That's what it feels like to me. Yeah, and it's basically I mean, the most. The, I feel like this has the most hands-on of a, of an industry that wants to this to make money. And to all intents and purposes, it did. But to what detriment of again,
1: they mar- the franchise as a whole. They marketed the hell out of it. They had this like zeitgeisty moment of like we're it's slick again the most 2000s <laughs> you better believe when oh when the theme kicks in in this one mhm oh it's not it's not the classic elegant theme the pum but that you just you love that just immediately just set you on fire you better believe it's some drop d limp biscuit drop it in <laughs> to redo the theme to new metal the shit out of it it's metallica no it's all Metallica. no it's Limp Bizkit redoing the theme. What? Limp Biscuit. Where did you find re- that? Please
0: tell me. Do you I know, thought this, this was all Metallica.
1: No, they have the "How I Disappear" the original song that they did for the movie, and that's the one. Was this? That's the not one? the one that plays in the fir- the first right. part of the credits. No, no. The first part is just a Metallica. But song. But this
0: is one of the. I read that one of the songs. Is it? It's either "How I Disappear" whatever. That's what like spurred the whole Napster thing. So they were working on a song for something And it like It spurred You know Them realizing that Wait a minute People are downloading and stealing our shit Early on I didn't realize that that was Limp biscuit.
1: You're welcome for your free, your free ad House party Coming to HBO Max I believe are they remaking House Party? Yeah. What? Only in theaters, excuse me. Oh, okay. It, hold on a second.
0: <laughs> what is the What am I watching? Are you... What? I had no idea that that I just assumed it was all Metallica for back in the day.
1: You didn't recognize it from that bass line, dude? No. What's wrong with you? You're not my brother.
0: I'm not a new metal fan either. <laughs> Does he sing at all in this? Does he have a rap verse over
1: <laughs> All right.
0: Is that in this movie?
1: The theme is, but not their the... reinterpretation of the theme is, but you don't hear the lyrics. doesn't get That's it why done. I had no idea. If I I'd had heard that, it could take a you... look around. Oh my God. Okay. Theme for Mission Impossible 2. That was the theme. The original song is How I Disappeared okay. by Metallica. Was, um, I had, was Crazy Town I bring on the soundtrack it, too? <laughs> the reason I bring it up is because I had completely forgotten, and I was like, Oh yeah, Limp biscuit re- re-recorded the theme because as soon as I heard it kick in, the boom, 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 boom. It's come my day,
0: come, come my
1: <laughs> <a> lady, <laughs> it's unmistakable. You're just like, I know, I know, right where I am. I'm in the 2000s. <laughs> like, um, it just, it is well, 100 so percent a product out, of its time. The look, the feel, everything about it. Go okay, ahead.
0: so in that case, we haven't even gotten out, to the categories dude. yet. Shout out to trying to be. The one and only time you try to be James Bond and have like a fucking original song with the movie, but you don't play it. Like, you have, I appreciate you having your own theme and maybe iterations on it throughout the whole, you know, run of the movies. But if I'm correct, this is the only time there was an original song made. They didn't go back to that ever again, right? I don't think so. Exactly. So it's like weirdly, like, kind of trying to be like. Unless it's like every one of
1: them had like a buried thing that we don't know about, where it's like, you know, there's like. Tenet has like a whole original song from like travis scott or something right but it's like that doesn't happen with movies the way it used to and then like way of water ends with uh both avatar movies had like songs attached to them because it's like well i did it with titanic so i just that's what you do right and i'm like that is so like a mid-90s just (laughs) like approach to movie making but i don't know
0: i believe the last time that ever happened was the wild wild west soundtrack and it never happened again wiki
1: wild which I didn't realize was, um, uh, I'm so, dude, I'm so glad that you forgot about Limp Biscuit. just, just for that moment. That was worth this whole episode. Okay. We, that essentially all was, uh, what cruise control career cruising, whatever we call it. We
0: did plot time in there too, but yeah, that's what's going on.
1: So you want to go teammates or do you want to go set pieces? I mean... I guess we save set pieces for last. Yeah, we could... I mean, you got Luther back. We essentially have to make... We got some fucking rando helicopter guy. Who is this? Who's Billy? Billy?
0: Just a random...
1: You know. Trying to bring somebody in. Could you... uh, Could you picture... He's no genre, no. I'll tell you that
0: much. Yeah. Well, could you picture Steve Zahn being him?
1: 100%. Had to drop out. He was the first choice. I love that I I didn't read the trivia on this one, so oh, thank okay. you for bringing all yeah. these lovely but Steve Zahn would have been perfect. What was he doing? Well, What's two thousand? What's Steve Zahn doing? I mean, right Joy Ride's right around the corner. Maybe but I don't think been...
0: that's it. Mm, could be. I don't know what what I'm trying to think of. What else he would have been doing around the time? I have no idea. Um, but yeah, he saving uh... Silverman
1: was he? Sa- was he busy saving Silverman? <laughs> it could be. Yeah. Um. No, Steve Zahn would have been perfect. And this guy, that guy, to your, let's give him a shout-out. I mean, seriously. Probably biggest thing. He's ever done? Yeah. Well, and it's one of those roles where you feel like, again, if you're retroactively casting this, you're like, well, that should have just been Benji from the get-go. But it's like, but Simon Pegg wasn't Simon right. Pegg at that point. Same way you know?
0: with, like, nowadays. And this is going to sound really terrible, and I don't like talking like this. But, like, ever since... The A-Team. I just feel like any helicopter pilot should just be Chateau-Cobre. That should just be who he is. Because you get a little bit of it in the third one with uh, the team member and that who flies the helicopter. But for the most part, yeah, This I, I'm assuming that that was this guy's like one and done thing.
1: Ooh. Um, Could you... Yeah, John Polson as Billy Bard, Baird. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just he's not bad. He just... It they just not kind of give feels them like, a lot. Well, it kind yeah. of feels like, hey, man,
0: we don't really have a lot of IMF guys in Australia, so this is just your guy. He may <laughs> right. not even be part of the IMF. He may just be your driver, your helicopter pilot, but this is what we got. Go for it. We need to add a segment to this episode called Missed Opportunities, because okay. if you talk about the amount of people who had to miss stuff or stuff was missed because of this, I think it's astounding. Anyway, but yeah, it would have been Steve Zahn as, as uh, Billy, but unfortunately that didn't happen Uh, Um, any other
1: missed opportunity do it right
0: now oh no no okay yeah well i'm just thinking in in, like uh she couldn't be in charlie's angels because of this movie okay our buddy dukes
1: i mean arguably better movie because it's still very successful charlie's angels yeah oh yeah yeah i mean who do we think she was up for the lucy Liu role uh in all likelihood i would imagine she's the lucy Lou is the least known star yeah, of I that casting that. at the time. Well, she could have been a villain, that's all I know. I don't well, know, it doesn't say what role,
0: but like right. she had to drop out of the movie. Yeah. Um, Obviously our, our buddy Dukes, he
1: didn't get to be Wolverine because of this. I you was know? saving grace of that whole franchise, arguably. Yeah. Like, uh, what a weird butterfly effect that would have been. Mm-hmm. Um, There might Stone, not be Oliver like Stone eight or, or nine X-Men movies right. if that decision had happened. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah uh, g- while we're at it adversaries uh Doug God love him yeah he's got to be he's got to be on the low end of the franchise right I mean I, I, I we'll talk the about no, the Solomon the no, no, Lane no, no, of it no, no, all no, no, no. eventually but God. I appreciate
0: Sean Ambrose for the fact that he is so Hans Gruber about it all that well, he's just like yeah no this is just about money. I don't really give a shit about this virus. You're going to sell me the stocks.
1: I've got the virus. You got the cure. It's something we never fully tagged up on in our first episode. Right. But that whole moment with Phelps where he's like, he's talking about Kittredge, but he's really talking about himself. Right. Where he's like, yeah, we do all, we do this job. We take all this risk for like $60,000 a year year." or something like that. And you're like, wait, that's what you guys make for this shit. Like, okay i guess i could see why but you're also like well this is why you have such a bad turnover rate guys you need like true blue dedicated guys like but Ethan. it's off and those, that's like maybe five or six people <laughs> that you're gonna have in this organization right. like you need to pay these people a little bit better or you're just gonna have people going rogue all the fucking time and what happens throughout this whole fucking franchise most of the people are like oh, they're former imf it's like well god damn it just pay these people what they're worth maybe they'll stay if they pool.
0: were making what the fucking CIA was making they wouldn't have no problem Right? they were able to perform all these fucking batshit experiments on their own people in the 60s and 70s yes. we
1: wouldn't have this problem uh, another element I wonder if is if it's expanded on in, uh, in the three and a half hour cut What's I mean that? there's definitely like a ton of homoerotic like subtext between Hugh Stamp uh Sean Ambrose's right hand and mm-hmm. him. Like, there's a lot of jealousy going on oh, of course. that all of a sudden your girlfriend's back in the picture. Like, yeah. I thought we were going to release this virus together, buddy. <laughs> thought we <were> gonna <laughs> Why close- are you bringing her back into yeah. the mix? I don't trust her. Yeah. Yes. Uh, there's a lot of that that still survives the cut, I feel like. Like, it's there uh, oh, if yeah. you want. And I'm like, that's such a more interesting movie. Like, let's, let's get into that. Come yeah. on. But, like, he has the whole scene where it's like, oh, you even say a word about her. And I'm like, he takes the tip of his finger off with Mm -hmm. the cigar clipper. Like, I mean, yeah, there's a way more interesting villain arc there than the one we get. And I do agree with you. I like that it's just like, oh, just a bad guy for bad guy's sake, Mm -hmm. which we have a couple of those in this franchise, which I kind of like as well. We'll Talk about that in four, Uh, where it's like, we're not really going to explain. let it's just... Right,
0: and then when you get to like the next guy... Doesn't even seem about the money for the next guy. The next guy's just mad at what happened to him. He's just getting even. Right. Like, it's perfectly, in a way, to me, perfectly reasonable for like his, his, you know, his reaction to what happens to him. And then you get into the whole like doomsday. I've, I've, I've seen the system. I have to change the system, Ethan. Yeah. Ethan, the system must change. Like, all that that happens. That's my worst
1: impression of that dude. I cannot. Sorry, Solomon Lane. Um I thought you were doing a Tom Wilkinson who is in this franchise. But yes. that's what you sound like Tom Wilkinson in Michael Clayton. Oh, Michael. Okay. <laughs> oh okay. Well good. Believe me, Michael. Yeah. Um
0: so uh what was I saying? Um But yeah, so I could appreciate him for that. Other than that, yes, completely throw away.
1: Is he, I see the, the like only the rogue dop-
0: IMF agent? He's the only rogue
1: IMF agent we get. I think, Everybody else they're is trying, arms. they're trying to do that. He knows all your moves. He knows all your yeah. tactics. He knows he how was you're going to you. behave. Yes. He was fucking you at the beginning of this movie. We thought it was you. Well, and to that point, I love the the element, which is a little bit of a reoccurring thing. It only It only crops up every once in a while. But as Tom Cruise ages up through his career and stuff, and through this franchise... There are these moments where it's like, well, this guy's like Bobo Tom Cruise. This guy is like doppelganger Cruise. This is like, if you had the talent and the ability of me, maybe you could be me, but you don't. So I'm going to put you in this movie to remind people you're not Tom Cruise. Right. Because it happens time and time again. He even, he cucks Superman. In the sixth movie. Yes. Let's be real here. Yes. He brings in this dude who is half his age, twice his size, and is basically like, but like you. just big middle fingers up to him. The whole, hold on to this for me, will you? We'll get to that. Oh, dude, we'll that was that. big. It's <laughs> awesome.
0: But I'm just so like,
1: good. I mean, he literally, he has these moments where he brings these people in where it's almost like, you think you can do what I do? You think you can do what I do? You can't do what I do. And I think this is one of those moments. And I think it is, it's a, its a—it's is—it's maybe why poor old Dugres never really made a dent. Yeah. If, I mean, if your first big outing is getting just, you know, obliterated
0: mm-hmm. by
1: the megawattage star that is a cruise, I don't know how you come back from that. When try. is ever after? That was before this? Way before. This
0: is ever after. It's like what probably puts him on the map to make this, if anything. I mean... And you really don't you're in the Hitman movie with uh But you're not even You're in the Oliphant Hitman movie. You're not in the the revamp,
1: you're in the Oliphant. I love hitman when Oliphant movie. talks about it. He's like, I did like a uh like a serial killer movie where I had a bald head. I'm like, Hitman. hitman. You were a you were hitman. hitman. <laughs> it was based on a video game. Yeah, it's very please, popular. Please say this like but just clearly where he was like, oh, was, I don't know. I don't know what was going on there. Was it, was Did he do two the, of those?
0: No, there was a different actor for the, for the second, second one. one. that's right. But
1: like, I
0: I don't even know if Drew Gray Scott was in that one. He might have been in the actual decent one. Because the second one was, was no, he's in that, never mind. He's, he's in, in the one with one. Oh, one. <laughs> yep. I'm
1: sorry. Should have stuck around for the sequel,
0: dude.
1: Hey,
0: $24 million made $101 million. I can't argue with it. Rupert Friend was the second aj right. forty seven. God. Oh wait, that didn't do good at all. Okay. Yikes. Let's uh I'm just it just goes to show you. It's you see, you see what happens when you, you don't jump in the ring with Ali because you think you can box. You right. know what I mean? I just wanna be at the I wanna be at the pitch meeting where Cruz goes, Yeah, and then the opening we're gonna reveal it's not really me. I'll be there. But Dugs <laughs> It's going to rip my face off. I just want, <laughs> I want to be in the room when he says, get it? He's going to rip my face off. Like,
1: perfect. Do you think it was as simple as that? Like, do you think the calculation was as simple as face makers? Face off, Face off. John, John Woo! John Woo, he he already did. He knows how to do this in his sleep. Let's yeah. get. Do you think it was as simple we as that? We can do. We listen, have faces had, getting ripped he off he in had, our movie. He, Somebody just made a movie called Face Off. Let's get that. Guy. That guy, he has like at least
0: two montages of surgery. We do it <laughs> like that, of course. Oh, just God. get him. No, because obviously, Oliver Stone was attached, before they asked to palma he says no oliver stone is like i'm game
1: dude and all but it ran over again
0: because of eyes wide shut and so
1: here we are i yeah eyes wide shut may be responsible for the most like if we do this the spider web of everything that it affects inadvertently Mm -hmm. and which is weird because you're like Well, was just two like huge stars but you're like I'm talking about, like, the sets in England being tied up for that period of time. Like, other movies that were shot at like, different locations than they we're would like, have been. We're like, we had Aliens
0: 2, the reboot, after the terrible, you know, alien... Uh, what's the fourth one? Resurrection. After Resurrection, we were going to reboot 2 then. <laughs> but fucking Pinewood was yeah, backed up with do, Eyes Wide Shut, so we couldn't do it. too busy. We were going to yeah. we do another okay. Blade Runner. But, uh, sorry, <laughs> fucking Eyes Wide Shut had the whole thing locked down for whatever reason. Uh,
1: yeah. What I've realized is we pretty much abandoned all structure for this second episode. You no, know I would but argue the movie abandons all structure. I was going to say, but it drew, it comes in true MI2 like, fashion, yeah. I think it's okay. I do want to just hit, before we wrap up.
0: We could talk about, no, we no, we could talk about, the, we got a big set piece. We do have the Chimera, like, breaking in. It's signature
1: part of the franchise. Tom Cruise, excuse me, Ethan Hunt, suspended on some sort you of rope. Got it. You, somebody, maybe not always Ethan Hunt, but every movie somebody has to, yeah, and dangle from something and catch he, themselves. Well, hell,
0: the he's thing. dangling when we first meet him because we haven't even talked about Swampback, fucking Anthony Hopkins, being the new IMF guy.
1: Yes, apparently getting paid like I think like ten or twenty million dollars yes, just to like a day and a half. Yes. Yeah, he's really good in that scene. The
0: only time the words "Mission Impossible" are uttered in the franchise ever, Mm -hmm. that's it. Like they, no one ever says it. Like this mission's impossible, or like Mission Impossible team, they all just say IMF team. But like Anthony Hopkins is literally (laughs) the only one who makes the the phrase Mission Impossible in this entire franchise. It's amazing, and yeah, and again, going back to plot time a little bit. He comes. He, that we find him. Ethan's, you know, doing a lot of rock climbing, which he insisted on doing himself, and apparently almost died once. Had he not, he had a, he had a, a cable on him. But if Tom Cruise doesn't grab the
1: camera at the last second like he did to catch, he's dead.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, because he wants to do his
1: own stunts. But he didn't. I feel like I mean, like you you mentioned on the first one, he did his own stunts. But I feel mm-hmm. like it becoming a part of his persona the seeds are really planted for it here right. because of the amount of behind the scenes attention to the that thing with rock still climbing all that, yeah. to the rock climbing sequence specifically. Mm-hmm. But yeah. And the motorcycle, which if you're watching them in order, I'm like, dude, I mean, that's like the saving grace of this movie. The motorcycle work mm-hmm. in the end is, is great. It's great stuff. Uh, that would maybe be, I mean, Kind of just the whole third act. I like the building set piece, but again, like we were talking about, you can feel in that shootout when it finally escalates. You feel how chopped up it is. It mm-hmm. doesn't have that fluidity, right? Um, certain shots of it do. Like when he when he turns, it's right after his poor piss poor the script and his delivery, the piss poor attempt of a DDL Last of the Bohicans. Stay Mm -hmm. alive, I will find you. It's like very similar to that, but you feel nothing in the moment because you're just like, I don't care about these two characters getting together. It's not a huge factor for me. But then he bails from her and does the slow-mo run down the hallway and just like straight out the window. And again, all I'm thinking in my head, and this happens a few more times, it really only ever happens one more time with three, but there's a few moments where you're like, oh, well, the only real difference is like now they'd just be doing this for real. There would be no no CG, no green right. screen. There would be none of this like, no. Now the difference would be he would just jump out of that window. Like for real. Right. Like, they would just do it. And that's the weird escalation of like, yeah, weirdly when you go back to these kind of imbe- the transitional ones, particularly three, you're like, oh, I love these set pieces. But I also see like how things would be just a little tweaked if we were just doing them with what these movies have become now. Right. Uh, So, yeah. Again, my pick is the... I do love the fake-out. Oh, my God. Again, if they had played more into the subtext of the the gay lovers that I think the villains really were, when he... It's one of the, like, most diabolical things Ethan ever does in this franchise, but when he makes Sean kill his, like, right-hand man... Mm-hmm. inadvertently like it's so it's fucked up dude yeah. it's so good but i remember that like as a kid that in the theater was enough for me to be like this movie is so cool you like, mean to tell me they put three masks on three different people <laughs> two of two of the same
0: people is is him like basically break it out the face mask is used three times it's all ethan's face two times it's the same dude using it and then the last time it's a complete fake out like bro you've done this to two different people you yes. did it to your girlfriend you did it to the scientist you don't think somebody would do that to you right. come on man it's like a it's a fucking it's check face mask exactly. it's like fucking it's we're gonna have it's gonna have to be in here
1: somewhere well and this is one of the things that this movie is remembered for some people are like oh yeah that's the one where they get a little ridiculous with the mask right and i'm like right. yeah but it's really fun yeah i think the best use of the mask is coming up Oh, yeah, definitely. We'll talk about Yo, that. Yeah, definitely. I cannot wait. We're gonna have a very special guest for episode three. Let's wrap up our categories and, and yeah. accomplish so, this mission. I would. Uh... So set pieces. I'm going with, like I said, the motorcycle. Yeah, chase, the in, yeah. face off and the sand. The I mean, the the fight in the sand. Oh yeah. I still think the. And it's it's also one of the, this only happens every once in a while. But this is a moment where you almost I, I do recall this and I really did want to highlight it. So glad I had this. Eventually we get to like it's it's a pure face off between him and Ambrose. Mm-hmm. And again, the movie wants you to believe that like there's all this extra baggage of like, oh, you like, you know, I want her, you used to have her. There's like all this subtext of two men fighting over the same woman. But remove all that from it. He like goes to town on the in a in a more brutal fashion, I would say than he ever gets with anybody. like they are slugging it out mm-hmm. and it's a yeah, he basically like beats him within an inch of his life mm-hmm. which is not something you would ever identify with that character. It makes sense in the moment, but it's almost a a dividing line where I'm like, yeah, they could have taken like if we had gotten a three immediately. I could have seen this as more of a darker character, which would have played as a counterpoint to where Bond was at that point. Mm -hmm. We hadn't had the Daniel Craig, you know, dial it back, take it super gritty, really grounded yet. Mm -hmm. We were still in the suave Brosnan era. We get them both the same year, too. I could almost have seen it going that way, and I honestly don't think if we don't have the stuff that we'll cover in the intervening years in his personal life, the War of the Worlds press tour, the Katie Holmes of it all, the Couch Jump, etc., we don't get to what we need Ethan to be in three, which is a very different person than he is where we leave him at the end of this one. Mm-hmm. Even though we'll talk about that final moment where it's just like him and Thandy, And it's just like, let's get lost. I was like, this is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> this is fucking garbage. This literally feels like, Oh, I'm like, you know, I gotta go find me a woman. Like I'm divorced now. Like this is where I'm at. Or, or, coming, it's coming. or it's wanting you to think that, like, oh, he's just a normal guy. And like, yeah, he'll find love again, blah, 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 whatever. But, yeah, the whole, like, let's get lost. And then they just, like, walk into the crowd. I hate it. I hate it. It's a bad ending. These mm-hmm. movies should leave you on, like, a, oh, yeah, moment. And that mm-hmm. one just, it didn't. Well, I think it's one of the, it's a
0: counterpoint, I would argue. And something that I can get into as far as, like, looking it down the road is, like, if you are competing against this guy who's like, oh, if James Bond wants to fuck, he's going to fuck. Doesn't matter where it is. Right. Little note as well. They they used Goldeneye as a precursor for, like, how they meet. They were supposed to meet and just talk. And John Woo was like, that's not too interesting. Why don't we make them kind of chase each other in cars, a la Goldeneye, like the opening. Like, oh, oh, okay. Yeah. So it does kind of steal from a James Bond franchise. But, um if you got that thing of like this other secret agent, James Bond is constantly betting women. He's like this and that, but you have, I feel like that's the natural thing I would do with the character is like, this guy's either going to be married and like there's that family. And then the family of his team he's fighting for, or this whole thing of like, I would get, I would lock the doors and you and I would go to town right now, but I got a mission. I got to do this mission. The, when the, the mission's mission. over, come holler at me. But right
1: now, I'm on a mission, so I can't. The move you know what what I mean? towards desexualizing him yes. is, I think, a, a huge strength of the franchise. It, it continues to put a bigger and bigger distance between him and the James Bond character. Mm-hmm. And it also removes an element that I think was very conscious on his part that like maybe people don't want to see... like i'm sure he hears the stuff about like oh you didn't really have chemistry with that person or this person or that person and i think he consciously was like maybe people don't want to see me fall in love on screen like maybe maybe that's not the thing they respond to about this character mm-hmm. and maybe he should be more of a cipher and i think that's basically where we're headed so yeah okay we covered Cruz thoroughly for where he is at at this point our set pieces um I I genuinely think I think that the motorcycles are it's John Woo going like, Okay, I did airplanes, I did speedboat chase, um, I've done car chases, what have I not done? I haven't done motorcycles. Right. Like to this degree. And it's just him like cutting loose. Very much enjoy it. I enjoy the final set piece fight. I kind of consider that whole third act one big giant set piece. That takes the cake for me. I would put it over the uh the tower virus heist. Um team members I mean does Thandy deserve it? What does she actually do? Well, okay. She is only recruited
0: to get back in to
1: infiltrate Ambrose. She does that very well. Because they feel like this is the quickest way to like right. back to his heart.
0: Right. So, and okay. of course she fucks it all up because like she tells him everything when she thinks he's Ethan. Um, yeah. cause there's the whole thing with the exchange at the dog. Like she puts his stuff back in the wrong pocket of
1: his jacket and that's how okay. he knows Sorry. here. So you said you like him with the long hair. Here's where it doesn't work. As soon as he puts that beanie on and he has this weird like yeah. fringe yeah. come out of the beanie. Mm-hmm. It, no, I no, get. I don't like it. And then he does it for too much of the movie. Right. I don't like it. Um,
0: <laughs> again, as with most, it seems like this is a trend that doesn't happen, but they try to make it happen. Ideally, had she come back for three, she would have been a member of the team.
1: Well, I mean, that happens gets a team over member. and over again in this franchise. is like, oh, well, this is the team, right? Where'd they all go? <laughs> Except for Luther. And exactly. then Benji. Yeah. Yeah. the core from the from the OG original, but they're constantly, especially. I mean, sorry, we keep getting our head of ourselves, but especially at the end of four, when you're like, he literally is making a point of like, it was all about the team. Like, look at the, look at this team around mm-hmm. us right now, and you're like, they're they're all kind of gone for the next one, but whatever. Yeah. Anyways.
0: Well, um, Paula, Paula had the whole thing with what's his face. And then, you know, Jeremy Renner, that's that's, you want to talk make, about missed opportunities. That's yeah.
1: one of my, she's probably my biggest regret for not coming back. Yeah. Uh,
0: but yeah, so I would, I mean, do we have to give it to Luther again? A solid team member. I mean, he's got it all under control. Well,
1: that's why I wanted to ask you what you think Naya or Thandi does, because I was like, she's more active and it's more centered around her. It's like the whole gambit is on her. Right. to convince him but like you said she fucks it up but because of the face maker which is like I can't judge her too much for that Right. so I don't know and I felt that was one of my again why I feel like this is not a strong entry overall I feel like Luther is there but without a lot to do Um, I, I also feel like this is the first time and I'm glad that they stay away from it they try and put it like it's that It's that late 90s, early 2000s, like, when we got these big action set pieces, like, we got to be able to cut away to somebody to have, like, a funny one-liner kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And they kind of try and do that with Luther a little bit in this one, Mm -hmm. which I feel like they navigate way better in all of the sequels. That's one of the things I love about this franchise is, is the way it approaches humor, I think, is a very like weird specific thing that like you and I and a few other people are keyed into, but it's like decidedly not for everybody where I feel like some people laugh at those beats of humor for the wrong reasons. Uh, But yeah. Okay. So yeah, I'm fine with giving it to Luther again by default two for two so far. Unless yeah, you think I mean, that Naya deserves it, there's I, nobody barely, else who's Billy really doesn't
0: do anything. She, I mean, I can appreciate her. Like you know, I'm going to inject myself, so a pretty cool move. One I it guess. keeps me alive, but two, like you know, gives him. He, I got to trust him to come and get get the cure. But, um, oh yeah, we didn't even talk about it. Brendan Gleason is in this movie.
1: Yes, incredibly underused. Yes. and underserved. One of our greats,
0: because he's got what right after this is going to be Gangs of New York. I would think would be the next big thing, so that makes sense. But still, he's in it. It's worth noting he's in it. Very short. Again, it's all about money. He just happens to play the CEO of this this pharmaceutical company, so it is what it is. But uh, but yeah, no, I'm totally fine with giving it
1: to Luther again. This just seems like I don't know, man. This just seems like an easy weekend for him. I guess is what I'm saying. I know it's like a virus that could potentially like. In fact, the whole world, but this just seems like this seems like one that they wouldn't reference when they're hanging out having a beer together. You know what I'm saying? Like this mission doesn't come up very often. This was not like a crazy one for them, right? I don't know. Uh, I could see that. I mean, it's one of those where like I don't
0: think, and I I'm be curious to wonder like how how much he as in you know how much Tom Cruise is like relative to you know, the franchise as a whole, how much he's willing to be like, yeah, but you know, that was before, that was a long time ago, man. That was like 20 years ago. I'm, 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 I'm focused on now. Mm -hmm. I'm just worried about what's going on with us, right? Where, where we've taken it. I don't want to look back. I always want to look forward. Like, I wonder if that's the answer we get, you know, as we're moving, you know, moving forward with what they're going to do with the ending because i i think you're right i don't think that it's something that he's like you know oh uh yeah uh, i I still stand by too i think it's something he could probably admit now that's like eh you know
1: i um i don't think he would ever say that i think he (laughs) in true tom cruise fashion would be like great picture had a great time john what he did with it incredible That would be that would be it. That's that's all you would get from him, and that would be that. Mm -hmm. Because that's you know he's a fucking politician, dude. You can't ask him any real questions. Mm -mm. So that's the kind of response you would get. He would never be like, oh yeah, we kind of dropped the ball with that one. Because at the end of the day, like you said, huge fucking success, half a billion dollars. Like that's Mm -hmm. insane. This movie is not good. Like, but we loved it. Yeah, it passed muster at the time, and I feel like people kind of were like, that was a thing. It happened. It was over, and that was that. Uh, mm-hmm. And then, you know, luckily he had fucking plenty of other projects right in his, in his belt, ready to go, ready to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think we maybe kind of say, I mean, we'll talk about our headspace when we walk into three because it's a movie we saw together and was very formative. Uh, honestly, at the time, it was it was kind of a revelation. I can't wait to do that episode, and we will have a very special guest. But to yes. recap once again. Our adversary by default, the late great Duggery Scott Dukes. <laughs> We're here for you, you but I just called him the late great. Like he's, he's passed on.
0: Well, he. I mean, you know, you talked about the Catwoman movie thing. Like there was a big controversy on that, and they, like, what's her face was like he was terrible to work with, and Warner Brothers was like Ruby Rose is full of shit. Like we know there's nothing. About, you're talking about the series? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Batwoman. Sorry, yes. Batwoman, not Catwoman. Uh, yeah, but there's, like, nothing—we've seen nothing to to support her claims of him being terrible to work with. We About we, who? Dukes.
1: Oh, Dukes was on that show? Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I, I she basically was story. just, like,
0: he was terrible to work with, and mean, and loud, and rude, and, and all of Warner Brothers was like, you're crazy. Okay. There's nothing to support that. So— but, I mean, you know, if your career can take this hit, it can take any hit. So, who cares? I mean, Hitman, he's been in other stuff here and there, and I do think he makes a really good bad guy. I just think that somewhere down the line, Jerry Butler showed up. <laughs> I just in was Dracula like, 2000, people are like, wait a minute. I'll take all those roles? Who's this handsome <laughs> fella here? Excuse me, Gears of War. I'll take those. Yeah, exactly. You know? And then, you know, Reign of Fire. Wait, was Dukes Scott in Reign of Fire? No, it was Jerry Butler in Reign of Fire. Um <laughs> And then just boom. Jerry Butler's in
1: Rain of Fire? Yeah, he's Christian Bale's best buddy. He and gets... Christian and McConaughey just farting around in there. I gotta
0: rewatch that movie. Yeah. He's the one that, like, he, he gets... Is that
1: another 2000 on the dot movie? I believe so. If it's not, it's 2001. But yeah. What a weird time for movies. I feel yeah. like we could honestly do, like, multiple seasons where we just, like, what are we all thinking? <laughs> just <laughs> go back through. I feel like, like, two thousand. To 2003, like, we really didn't have it figured out. Like, people really didn't know, like, what are the movies going to be? Like, where are we headed? It's like everybody took all the information of 99 and there was so much happening at one time Mm -hmm. that it was like, but what's the thing? Like, what are we going to latch on to? What's the future of cinema? And nobody got the right answer for, like, basically six years. And then 2007 shows up and is like, hey, remember movies? Yeah. good movies? (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. 2002, Rain of Fire. So not, But, far, it, yeah. but so again, if you had told me falls, 2000,
0: I would have bought it. No, no, I'm saying. we probably like, was falls,
1: shot in 2000. Probably sat on a shot. I'm saying, like, there's that
0: three-year gap in every— I feel like you could look at any transitional year. So, like, you could even argue it now, 2020 to 2023, okay? The spat you get. Let's look at it in three years and be like, what was that? What were we doing here? We were taking—we were—we just needed anything. We took a fucking Twitter conversation and made it a whole movie.
1: A what are movie. we doing? Yeah, it was, was
0: a great movie. movie. I love it. I'm, saying, <laughs> I'm not saying they were
1: bad. Weird movie to we're pull just out. Wondering it's where like everybody else is shitting on fucking Marvel movies and stuff. You're like, yeah, Zola. No, no, no. That's the thing that needs to be taken down. Like, in t- terms t- of like what <laughs> cinema is and where it's going. I know what
0: you're saying. You, where you're yeah. getting shit from, it's... You're looking at it. It's like, think about 90 to 93. Where, where are you getting... You have this... Yes, there's some 80s hangover because there's a lot of stuff in like 90 and 91 that I'm like, that was an 80s movie. No, it was 90s, -hmm. but technically, but it's still a hangover part. And it is curious, like you're wondering, what's it going to be? And it's not until 92, 93 that you get like, was it T2 with the special effects and all that? That you're like, oh shit, this is what movie making can be. And I would argue, same thing, 2007 you said, by 2009 we get Avatar. Oh shit, this is what movies can be. And we just keep moving forward and forward with stuff. Yeah. So it would be an interesting thing to do.
1: Yeah. I think this, um, the only other movie I'll say this about in the franchise, I think this and three are both very much products of their time, of their era of action movie making, what we expect from spectacle, et cetera. Um, So in that way, it's a fun, nostalgic, like again, the limp biscuit the metallica of it all yeah. and remembering that era of it this movie just being shoved down my throat and again weird to think that like all these years later we're like this is the worst one it's like you think that we may have dipped below this like most franchises would have the fact that this is the second entry and they only get better from here and it's the highest is, grossing at the time It's kind well. of unheard of
0: like they don't have another showing like this until gross protocol as far as mo- what it makes well, it's weird I, to I think say, that three I doesn't kind of make unheard of it unheard
1: of except it. for another movie that is also the we have to put it all if if there's three things we have to chart in parallel to this and it starts this year the next year yeah it starts the next year but the three movies franchises it's bond What's the second one? Mm. <laughs> already said it. Born oh. is coming in 2001. Mm. And what else is coming in 2001? Fast and Furious. Oh, the Fast and the Furious. Yeah. I feel I like if you take that. those three franchises, those are the things that Cruz is looking at, whether he would ever admit to it or not. But I'm like, those are the things that he's looking at going like, I can do that better. I can do that better. I see what worked about that. I see what didn't work about this one, and and he's just taking notes. But I feel like those are the three film franchises that mold Mission Impossible into what it's going to become. That doesn't really start until four through six, when it when I feel like that really holds true. But yeah, and three three is where the born reaction comes in, which I don't think you can disagree with me on. I. I think three,
0: the next one we're going to do, I think three is a product of what, what is a super secret agent person. Can they be like we have the Born, we have Bond being rebuilt, re re that year, year, 2006, yeah, re as a more gritty, again, three, dialed is a in, soft dialed reboot. Right, in a right, lot yeah. of ways. It's another way, it's like, okay. Could we do, we could do three as like a suave, cool, Ethan on the bike, knows everything, hot shot with the ladies if he has to be, but never about the ladies, all about the mission. Or, why don't we just reinvent him? Okay, well, what about him? Well, see, some stuff happened with Tom a couple years ago, right? You remember the couch, right? Yeah. So Tom may want to distance himself from the couch. Yes. Okay, but he's still going to be on the couch. Yeah, no, no, no. He'll be on the couch, but there'll be he'll have a family on the couch, and it'll be about like him and the family that he's made outside of work. You know, his family he's made outside of being a movie star. But then what it means for Hollywood to come calling back for him to be a movie star if he wants to be, and it'll be subtle. Okay, who do you want to direct? Well, I watched this guy who made a bunch of Alias episodes. He's never directed a movie before. Oh, okay. If you want him, you got him, uh, and maybe give him on like 150 million. What? Yeah, 150 million is what's going to cost to make this movie. Oh, okay. So you want to give 150 million to a first-time director who's only made TV? Yeah, I do. Oh, okay. Well, whatever you say, Tom. Okay, thanks. <laughs> Click. That's the phone call. You know what I mean? That's what it's going to wind
1: up being. One more thing that I want to tease before our uh... what's the best gadget in two. I, mean, I think the facemaker takes it again. Is there any we don't really get to anything really cool until like three through six. I'm sorry. Yeah, like with I the agree. tech gets way better as we move through these movies. Is there something else? I you agree. No, no, I agree. The- I believe it's a pacemaker again. I'm just saying,
0: you know. Yes. Um It's probably gonna be the pacemaker in all of them because I can't honestly
1: think of another cooler gadget. Gotcha. Um one thing I want to tease. Before we come back for next month's episode, if people are rewatching something, I want them to keep in mind. A secret fan of this whole franchise and and his career and people who they've been vaguely tied together. I think they may make a movie together one day. Who knows? Maybe they're too big of personalities to actually like get together on something. Mm -hmm. I think Christopher Nolan is a huge fan of the Mission Impossible franchise. And I think if you look at Mission Impossible 3, this is a weird statement, but just think about it. Mm -hmm. Ponder it before we come back for the next episode. I don't think that you make the jump from Batman Begins to The Dark Knight. As much as people are like, oh, it's Michael Mann. It's heat. These are all the things he talks about. Look at Mission Impossible 3 and then look at The Dark Knight. That's all I want to say. I just want to plant that seed. Just think about it for a minute. The Dark Knight or Batman Begins? The Dark Knight as compared to Mission Impossible 3. What I'm pointing out is Batman Begins comes out in 2005. Mission Impossible 3 comes out in 2006. Mm -hmm. Dark Knight comes out in 2008. Now he does make a movie in between there called The Prestige. But what I'm saying is, as much as you may go back and look at Mission Impossible 3 and be like, oh yeah, this feels like a mid-2000s action movie, etc. There are so many beats of it that I feel like are actually become the template. And we think that they're all Dark Knight creating the template, but they're not. Hmm. I don't think they are. I want you to think about the villain. I want you to think about the mid-section set pieces and sequences and how they transition into one another. I want you to think about a lot of that stuff. And then think about The Dark Knight. Okay. And bring that to our conversation next time. Okay? Yeah, okay. To recap, Sean Ambrose. Chosen adversary. Set piece. The bikes. And as always, best teammate. Luther Steckle, once again. Okay. We covered our categories and we cruised through his career. I think we can officially say mission accomplished.